Welcome to the Southern Glow Podcast. My name is Carrie Hyatt Richmond. I'm a wife, extra needs mama, homeschool teacher, fantasy author, and empath. I'm here with one goal in mind, to enrich your entire world by empowering you to live in it authentically and honestly as the exact soul you were sent here to be. It's time to release all the outdated cultural paradigms, generational facades, and hectic patterns that are draining the magic out of your days. By choosing to anchor back into your soul and to reconnect with your intuition, you will compose a unique harmonic identity that enriches every aspect of your life. I cannot wait to share all the tools, shifts, and rituals that you can implement to step into the reality you've been longing for. I know that we're gonna have the best time connecting, so thank you for pushing play today. Now, let's reclaim your glow. Oh my goodness, it is so nice to be back in the land of the living. I spent at least two and a half weeks really sick in November, kind of bounced back around the time. I didn't even bounce back. It was a very slow progression back to the land of the living, if I'm being honest, right in time for Thanksgiving. And then the rest of the month just kind of flew by. But it feels really nice to be back in my office for the first time in a long time, be able to breathe out of my nose again and not sound like a complete frog. All these little things that we take for granted until we're sick. But I have been wanting to record this podcast for a long time. It was definitely one of the ones I knew initially out of the gate that I wanted to record. So I'm really excited to finally be here today sharing with you guys the five biggest mistakes I made during our first year homeschooling. This has been such a fun and wild journey and actually taking it all the way back to the first year it's, it's going to be fun. I'm going to have to really use my brain and recall some things. I'll set the stage for you, I guess. So we started homeschooling in the 2019-2020 year. So right before COVID happened, right before the world shut down, all of that, we went into the 2019-20 school year homeschooling. We made that decision after we had been at a very big Christian private school the year prior, maybe even two years. Now my memory's failing me. I can't remember. We were there for a year or two and made the decision that it was absolutely not for us anymore at that stage. At least that place was not, was not serving Wyatt um, or us in any capacity. So we made the decision to leave there. There was not really anything else at that time in our buffet of options that seemed like the right fit. So we sat back and actually, I will honestly admit, I didn't want to homeschool. There, I said it. I did not want to homeschool. So I was a homeschooler. So before people get upset or anything like that, because people always do, I'm not saying anything bad about homeschoolers because I, in fact, was a homeschooler myself. So I can say all of these things from a sincere place of honesty. I love my children. I love them to pieces so much, way too much. And I tell them that way too often. But that being said, I was not one of those women that birthed children and then thought, yes, I am going to homeschool them. They will be with me all the time. It was very much like, 
I love you guys and I want you around most of the time, but also I would like to have a life too. And by trade, I am not a teacher. I am an author. I am a writer. I am a journalist. I am not I am not a teacher. And all my teachers out there and probably parents too know it takes a special kind of wonderful person to go into the teaching field. <laughs> I mean, you're literally throwing yourself to the wolves every day. I just have so much love and respect for teachers. I truly do. With that being said, I knew that that was on a journey that I wanted to be on. But it's so funny how sometimes the things we are so positive we don't want end up happening and coming into our lives anyway. It's like God or the universe almost takes it as a challenge. Oh, you, you say you really don't want this thing, huh? Okay, well, let's give it to you anyway and see see how you do with it and see what lessons you learn and see how it grows you. So I have since learned to never say never because I truly would say I will never homeschool my children. You know, no offense, mom and dad, whatever. I loved my journey. It was great, but it's not for me. I'm not going to homeschool my children. And I would say that all the time. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Don't say things like that out loud. I no longer say I will never do anything because God always sees it as an opportunity to find some way to make me eat crow. But all that aside, I wanted to make it clear that I was coming to our homeschool journey from a very different place. It was kind of thrust upon me in a time of need. I didn't just sign up for it because I wanted us to do that. It was just kind of like that was what my son needed and I was able to provide it. But that being said, I made a lot of mistakes. I continue to make mistakes. There will need to be updated versions of this for probably every single year that we've homeschooled because you learn from them, but then, you know, you're constantly evolving and making new mistakes. But this is all I just wanted to, like, for anyone who's contemplating pulling their kids out of school or even maybe they're younger and they're just getting to school age and you're thinking about homeschooling for the first time. I've just had so many conversations with people lately about those first or that first year. It's such a big step. And so I thought I really want to share that specific perspective of the mistakes I made during that first year homeschooling. So yeah, so we pulled Wyatt out of school in um, 2019 and started to homeschool him that fall. He, I thought it was perfect though even though I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I thought this this is going to be perfect, though, because he's in kindergarten. I can't truly. So he had been in school for like K3 and K4 and stuff like that. And I thought this is great for me because it's 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 not so much pressure. I'm not just like pulling him out in ninth grade and having to teach him all these things that I don't even remember. We get to start at the beginning. <laughs> so I, it, it helped ease some worries for me. So I'm like homeschooling Wyatt as a kindergartner, Emmy doing her little K4, K3 stuff kind of alongside us sometimes. I still made so many mistakes. It's so crazy. Um, so I just I really want to share those because I feel like for anyone who's considering homeschooling, whether it's, you know, a neurotypical kid, neurodiverse, whatever your reason is, there are just 
very specific things I learned that first year that might save you some headaches, stress, or even some money. So that's where we're going today. I'm going to spill the tea. (laughs) Behind the door of every mistake awaits an opportunity for growth. So let's just go and open those top five doors for you guys. So without further ado, here are the top mistakes I made during our first year homeschooling. Mistake number one, I overbought curriculum. I overbought curriculum like it was going out of style. (laughs) One of the blessings and curses of homeschooling or pretty much anything these days is truly that we have just a wealth of options at our disposal for literally everything. And it can make it extremely intimidating, blindly overwhelming, you know, just to try to hone in on what type of curriculum or method you want to implement into your homeschool strategy. You know, it just really is one of those blessings and a curse. You know, we have this beautiful buffet of endless options, but it, it, it truly makes it hard to decipher what is for you and your children and what is not. So <laughs> that mistake I made our first year was overbuying curriculum. Not only did I spend so much more money than I needed to, but we were drowning in options. I had trouble even coming up with a daily plan and an agenda because there were just so many things to choose from. Now, I will also shamelessly disclose that our first few years of homeschooling, actually up until this year, I have hodgepodged the heck out of our curriculum. (laughs) I say that with full transparency, no regrets. I have looked into every option. I've explored everything from Charlotte Mason to Montessori to these wild nature-based programs. I mean, if it is an option, I promised you I looked it over and explored it. My issue was that I just couldn't find anything that I loved across the board for every subject. And also in a way that would just really be easy for my neurodiverse son to digest. So not only am I just trying to find something that is appealing to me and to him, but also it has to be in the specific way that he can really understand it and we can ingrain it. And I am not making light of hodgepodging at all. Absolutely think that it's a great idea for people who can't commit to a particular program. Um, And there are so many different companies that excel in one particular subject. So I mean, there will probably be days Um, Actually, this year, I mean, on a micro level, we hodgepodged this year. This was the first year that I actually went all in on one full curriculum. I was able to see pretty much all of it in person, ordered it online. It got here. We started using it. And I loved all of it for Wyatt, except the history. It was a complete, it, it, it was a hot mess express. It was terrible. Oh, my gosh. It was so bad. Um, Quickly quickly got rid of it. And then we pulled in something else. So we did. We did micro hodgepodge something because we pulled it in and it didn't work. And then so here, I was going to tell you that this is the first year that we went with a full curriculum, but we did it. I had the intention to, but again, stay flexible, people. That's (laughs) the never ending thing with homeschooling, I think. (laughs) But back to my, my main issue, which was overbuying all the curriculum. I think I was just so worried about doing it wrong or maybe some way I thought I would not have enough stuff to teach him with. I have no idea. But there is hope for people. If you are 
in the upstate, in your local, we have an incredible consignment shop for homeschool curriculum. I mean, you can take your gently used books, puzzles, flashcards, games. If you can use it for school somehow, you can either find it in the store and buy it or you can take it there and sell it. It's, I love it. It's incredible. I will actually try to put the information in the show notes for you guys. And I'm sure there are places like this, not just here in the upstate. You just need to kind of go and, and, and really dig deep and seek them and find them. Um, but that has been incredible. So thankfully, I was able to turn around and and resell many of the items that we didn't use at this little consignment shop. So that was great. (laughs) But returning to the fact that this was my number one problem the first year, if you're thinking that you need lots and lots of curriculum, and maybe you're thinking, well, if I ever buy it, Carrie, what's the big deal? It doesn't seem like a huge issue. There really are some reasons that you want to make sure you don't do this. First and foremost, Overbuying curriculum adds an immense, overwhelming load to your brain and your heart, and it just makes life much more difficult than it needs to be. And I am all about making life easier, gentler, more enjoyable. <laughs> so don't you don't want the added extra weight. You cannot possibly use everything you have, and so that'll either result in you feeling guilty over wasting money on these resources, or you will stress yourself out completely because you will adamantly work to somehow incorporate everything into your schedule. So you'll have no consistent flow. And if you don't have a consistent flow, it's just extremely stressful for you and the kids, especially as you're both trying to get footing that first year and just kind of hitting the ground for the first time together. In a nutshell, do yourself a huge favor. Go light on the curriculum, lighter than you think you need to. And if by chance, you know, you speed right through it and you can find yourself running out of things to do, that's a great problem to have because then you have the flexibility to go and purchase something else later. And it could be anything from something you truly need to dive deeper into, maybe a course subject or something that your kid just found immensely interesting. You know, basically not overstacking your plates will open up more time for you to have fun and integrate experiences like field trips into part of your routine. My kids are ringing the doorbell. (laughs) I'm going to go answer that. I will be back. All right. I am back. (laughs) Always keeping it real here. Um, Yes. Anyway, moving on. My little kids are situated and happy for the moment. We'll see if we can continue to get through this before we get interrupted again. So where was I? Oh, yes. So by not overstacking your plate, you're going to open up more time for fun experiences, field trips, you know, just having that flexibility in your routine, which I highly recommend you take advantage of as part of your unschooling. And on that note, that kind of lines me up perfectly for mistake number two. The second mistake I made, our first year homeschooling, was that I tried to replicate school in our home. I know that structure is extremely important, but I took it to an entire school-based level that it had no business being on. (laughs) We had no flexibility in our day or in our morning if it seemed like we needed to hit another subject first because maybe Wyatt was tired or just wasn't feeling it or was getting overwhelmed, you know, and so this just left both of us really frustrated. I mean, it was frustrating on every end for both of us. And in our case, 
we had specifically chosen to homeschool our son, to empower him through his neurodivergence, specifically removing him from the school system that focused so much on his deficits and was setting him up to fail by forcing him to fit inside this box that he just was not designed to fit in. Like, for instance, sitting at a desk for a long period of time, just not something that he can do and focus at the same time. It just it just doesn't happen hand in hand like that. I don't know what I was thinking, but that was truly my second biggest mistake. I basically took him out of school only to bring him home and try to recreate school in our dining room. I wanted him to sit in the dining room table with me. I only wanted certain little breaks. So we, like I had this little daily chart of like this time we're doing this, this time we're doing this. And, you know, so I had these little allotted breaks for recess and lunch. I think I was really overly worried about not clocking in the certain number of hours per day and just put way too much stress on myself to conform to a pattern that I already knew, even though I knew it didn't work. It was kind of crazy. And I'm not sure why I put that stress on myself. I guess in reflection, I was just afraid of doing it wrong. Again, here we have this repeated theme of being a perfectionist and worrying about doing it wrong. And in some way, it felt safe and easy for me to revert to a pattern and a structure that I even knew from my own personal experience. I mean, I went to public school through third grade before my mom pulled me out and homeschooled me for all of middle school. I actually chose to go back to school in high school because I truly desired to. There were just so many avenues I wanted to explore sports I wanted to play, hobbies I wanted to dive into, friends I wanted to have. Those were all just things that I was not able to get at home at that time, which has totally changed since I was a homeschooler 20 plus, 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 plus years ago. I mean, I know there are things like co-ops now and all these homeschool football and basketball teams, and there are just so many options. Actually, my little sister, um, there's a big gap between us. She is a baby. Um, but from day one, she was homeschooled, but she did it through a co-op the entire way. So it was kind of the exact opposite of my homeschool experience, which I always thought was kind of funny. I'm completely digressing here. So I'm going to ring myself back in and get back on track. Back to mistake number two. I tried to replicate school in my home. And, um, you know, it was my first year. I wanted to do things right. And my double Virgo probably came into play a lot there and my perfectionist tendencies that I'm always working on letting go of. But when I was really able to embrace the knowing that we made this choice from an emboldened and powerful state of just deeply knowing that this was the next right choice for Wyatt, it really helped me reframe all of that. Actually, it wasn't until the spring of our first year. Okay, so at that point, we're nearly wrapping up our school year. And then COVID happened and the world shut down. And all of a sudden, everyone I think I have ever known <laughs> was reaching out to me and asking me how in the world to homeschool. It just, it was hilarious. Because I'm sitting here thinking, you people have no idea. I am making the worst mess of this. I don't know what I'm doing. I only just started doing this a few months ago. But of course, I'm trying to also be helpful and supportive. So from that regard, I started having conversations with people who I think actually found themselves surprised that having their children at home 
was something they could actually get used to. It actually is pretty startling. And I think it was for everyone, of course, because those were weird times. But it's really startling to suddenly change your pace from that, you know, constant rushing, hurried, out the door, zero connection, ample amounts of stress, like in the mornings. And when you suddenly realize that there's this completely more relaxed and beautiful way to have the same experience, it kind of just blows your mind. So I urged them all to do what I had not done, (laughs) which was take the time to enjoy just being home together. Enjoy the retreat from school's structure. Lean into how their mornings and days unraveled together and, and decide what really felt aligned. So I had to start taking my own advice, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we wrapped up that year and I took about 95% of what I had to the consignment shop for resale. I knew that we needed a fresh slate and I was really excited to just wipe it clean, start fresh. And it was like a nice opportunity to just sit back and ask myself, how do I really want this to look? And more importantly, how do I want it to feel? I have this beautiful opportunity to remove all the negatives of the public or private school experience that we'd had thus far and create our complete own experience. So when I kind of picked up that author pen and opened up this brand new blank vision board for myself, it was really like a breath of fresh air. And it was so needed. It took me from a place of feeling so controlled and powerless and, you know, being so worried to feeling absolute freedom and power. I was able to create exactly what we wanted our experience to look and feel like. That being said, it's really important to embrace the fluidity and flexibility, you know, that you're going to need to survive you know what, and not only just survive, but to actually thrive. And that means just because something worked last year or last week, it doesn't mean it's going to work this week. The sooner you embrace that and allow yourself to just flow like a river through all the changes and ups and downs and hurdles, the happier you will be. And you'll be so much less stressed too. It's just that that was the main thing that I was able to offer everyone. And I'm so glad that I finally started taking my own advice. (laughs) Because when you purposefully take your kids out of school, only to bring them home and recreate that structure and, and all the things that were so negative about it in your home space, you're not doing anyone any favors, not your kid, not yourself. And it really strips all the beauty and flexibility and all the things that just make homeschooling unique and such a pleasurable experience. It totally takes them away. And when I allowed myself to embrace the fluidity and to remove the burden of school structure, the school structure that I had been taught, like you need to start class at this time, you need to have recess at this time, you need to sit in your desk. When I just removed all of those expectations and said, actually, no, that's not why we want to do this. We want to do this so it can feel like this, so it can look like this. So my son is not stressed out all the time being forced to fit into a 
the same box that they were trying to fit him into in the school. It was just crazy. I'm so glad that I had this epiphany. I don't know if COVID had happened, if I would have had it this soon or in the same fashion. So a little silver lining there in my own personal journey. Having everyone turning to me for advice, it made me give pause to suddenly sit back and and really reflect on what is the big piece of advice that I can offer people here in this time where they are scrambling and things are crazy, you know, and and some of them, of course, don't like this and that's totally fine and they cannot wait to get their kids back to school. And I 100% understand that. <laughs> but for these other mamas who are suddenly going, wait, actually, this is really nice. We can just sit around the table at breakfast together and not be in a hurry and not have to worry about the shoes and the socks and the lunch boxes. And we can just chat. And if we feel like doing reading first, let's just go snuggle up on the couch because it's cold today and we'll go read. Or, you know, it's a beautiful day. Let's go outside and do something first. Like it's just, it's so incredible when you allow yourself to embrace the structureless homeschool experience. It just, it's a total game changer. So. That was mistake number two. <laughs> I think I talked about that one for a long time. I'm sorry. Mistake number three is going to be a lot faster because I'm sure this will resonate with a lot of people. And hindsight's 2020. But mistake number three was I didn't ask for help or support. Can you believe that? <laughs> oh my goodness. I just, I can't even. I'm like, come on, Carrie. I mean, in hindsight, this is probably the biggest mistake that I made our first year homeschooling, especially as a mother who's a single mom, at least 50% of the time, you know, not asking for help. What is wrong with me? And, and it could have come in any form, whether it was someone taking the kids on a field trip for me or just coming in and helping them with a certain subject or taking them for me like one afternoon a week to give me a break so that I could go to the grocery store without them or get my hair done or just do things that made me feel like a human being again it was a really overwhelming space and time for me because not only was I in single mom mode most of the time, but I was also trying to run my little small shop on Etsy and navigating homeschooling, had a toddler in the house, and it it was just crazy. I think this is definitely one that doesn't need to be elaborated on. It's just pretty blunt. You need You need support. You need people. You need a break. <laughs> you are allowed to ask for help. You are allowed to receive help. And that could look so many different ways. You know, it, it doesn't have to be the same for anyone or any day or any week. But know that you cannot run yourself ragged doing all of the things and not ask for help. It will make you absolutely miserable. So... I, I'm just going to put a pin in that one. It was short, sweet, and to the point. Mistake number three was that I didn't ask for help or support in any capacity, in any fashion. And I was just utterly exhausted all the time and overwhelmed all the time. So we'll move on to one that I can talk about a little bit longer. That's probably not more of a reoccurring theme, but potentially maybe it might be. Maybe this will be something that you've kind of hear and go, oh, actually, I've done that. Um, so mistake number four, <laughs> which actually this is really comical because it just is. 
I overcommitted us to activities. Even though I knew better because I'm a homeschooler myself, and I think I turned out all right. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) But I was allowing all of these people around me to fill me with those same old narratives that you hear. You know, you should be worried about your kids. They're going to grow up antisocial, strange weirdos, you know. They're just not going to get enough social interaction, you know. And even though I knew better, because I lived this, I was a homeschooler. And actually, in the days before there were co-ops and and all the things, I still allowed other people's thoughts and BS to get into my sphere, and I bought into it. Now, I am not an antisocial person, and I know this is the opposite of the truth. But it still had me worried. (laughs) So I went above and beyond and filled up our social calendar like a mofo. We had like two activities every afternoon. And I will just say, I, it did not take long. It did not take long at all for me to immediately regret this decision. It's like Ron Burgundy. I immediately regretted this decision, you guys. I was running ragged. We were running ragged. We were all hysterically rushing, exhausted, basically having one never-ending hysterical rat race experience, which was like exactly one of the things that I was trying to avoid by leaving the school system in the first place. I'd allowed everyone else's negative dialogue and absolute misunderstood lies about homeschooling affect these massive choices that I made that first year. And that is just something... That at the time, I was unable to have the courage and conviction and just inner knowing and confidence to stand up against. So I know I did the best that I could with the knowledge and growth that I had at the time and in that season of life. I do deeply regret how I let all those external lies affect me. Um, which, you know, I even knew for a fact were generational, cultural, just misunderstandings. But that being said... I do recognize there are a portion of people who homeschool out there in a very different way than I do. (laughs) And at the time growing up, I was surrounded by those jean skirts. We'll just call them jean skirts. Um, Because at the time, those were really the only other people who were homeschooling. (laughs) Uh, Whether they were thinking outside the box or sticking it to the man, I have no idea. But there was a season where that pervasive narrative that you envision when you think of a homeschooler was actually really mostly its entirety. But then you just had like a tiny little handful of people like me. (laughs) It was just bizarre. We were like sprinkled on top like a couple of little random pieces of confetti, like just to make the mix a little different. So (laughs) I think it's definitely one of the situations where, you know, the masses kind of gave it this Loke effect because at the time there were so many homeschoolers that were like that and it felt safe to label all the homeschoolers like that. All right, but then we just, we'll just drop it there. We're going to fast forward 20, 30 years later, homeschooling has evolved so, so much and you have so many different types of people and groups who are doing it for completely different reasons. I think it's absolutely beautiful and so empowering, but it can also be really overwhelming to try to find people who are homeschooling for reasons similar to yours or to find a group that you click with. But I'm completely digressing. All that to say, 
even though that narrative is no longer true across the board, I still let this fear of what people were saying about how my kids were going to grow up and be antisocial and not have friends and be lacking in all these areas affect the decisions I made. Completely overbooked our calendars. And I don't think we even made it to Christmas that year. And I just thought, no, this is not it. (laughs) This is the opposite of how this is supposed to feel. And what's really unfortunate is I, at the time, didn't have the grace or self-awareness to allow myself to change that. I was still locked in this mentality of, well, I signed us up for these things and I said we were going to do these things. And so we have to see it through. Even though I was absolutely run ragged and miserable and the kids weren't like having fun anymore or thriving and it was just way too much. I allowed it to continue, did the best I could at the time. Of course, now I know better. And when you know better, you can do better. (laughs) But in that season, that was definitely one of the biggest mistakes I made was overcommitting us to activities across the board. I will not do that again. Actually, to this day, I strive to do the complete opposite. And we are very... I don't even know, nitpicky, is that the way to describe it, about what we invest our time and energy in. If my kids are like, hey, I want to, for instance, I'll give a real life example. My daughter, Emmy Kate, she did dance around this time period when she was younger, enjoyed it, wanted to take a hiatus and try parkour, American Ninja Warrior stuff. We did it. She got like super into it. She was doing regional competitions and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, and this was maybe a couple of years ago, I could just tell her heart wasn't in it anymore. It was no longer fun. And thus, it was no longer fulfilling its purpose. And thank goodness that place has an incredible, if you can hear my dog snoring, I'm sorry. Um, They had an incredible thing where, you know, you didn't just sign up for the whole year. You can just drop in and out as you please. So I just canceled our membership and thought, no, we don't have to do this. You're not enjoying it. You're not having fun. I'm not going to drag you here against your will. Like there is no point in being part of an activity that's not bringing you joy, that is not lighting you up. That is not the purpose of this extracurricular activity. It is not to torture you. It is not to wear you out. It is not to just add something else to our plate and another bill to our thing. Like if you're not in it, we don't need to be a part of it. So we pulled out from that. And I think around that time, I really decided that from that point on, we were going to remain flexible. And unless they were all in on something, we weren't going to be like halfway in, halfway committed on anything. But I also honored that things are allowed to change. And just because they wanted to try this thing and maybe it's not what they thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the kind of mom that's going to force them to continue on with something that's making them miserable just because they said that they wanted to try it. They're kids. They don't know. You don't know. None of us know. You might think something looks really fun or like a great idea. And until you get to experience it, you know, it's just it's just not fair. I have a 
a very different view and mindset on extracurriculars than I know a lot of people do. So that might be triggering to a lot of people. But then we'll bring it full circle. And this year I was asking Emmy, is there anything that you want to do? Do you want to try horseback riding? Do you want to try whatever? And she said, actually, I really want to take piano. And this had been a reoccurring thing she'd been asking for, but had been too young to do at her her little school that she goes to. And this was the first year she was old enough. So I said, okay, let's try piano. Let's see how you like it. So we signed her up for piano and she is absolutely loving it. She can't get enough piano. <laughs> it's so cute. I just, I, I love it for her. She loves it. And at the same time, she came around and said, you know, I think I want to go back to dance. And I thought, that's really interesting because you've shown no interest in dance, but okay, what kind of dance do you want to do? And she said, well, I'm not sure. I think I want to do the ones I did before, ballet and tap. And I said, okay, well, if you want to get back in there and try it again, let's do it. So I signed her up this fall for a ballet and tap class. We, okay, I'm just going to like fully go in on this story now because it's a total side tangent, but it's good. (laughs) So we start the ballet, we start the tap within, I mean, three weeks. It's like evidently clear that she is loving the tap and absolutely hating the ballet. Abundantly clear. But I couldn't really figure out why. And I really had a feeling that it had a lot to do with the teacher. It was a different teacher for ballet. And I had some little brief interactions with this teacher, too. And so I encouraged Emmy. I said, you know, maybe she's just having a really rough time right now. Let's give it a few more weeks. You know, maybe she will be able to work through some stuff check her stuff at the door and come in and be the teacher that you desire her to be and y'all can have a better experience together. Let's not rush out of this. I'll also note here that this was not the most convenient class schedule that we were doing. So I love my daughter so much, but she is one that requires 12 hours of sleep a night minimum, or you do not want to be around her. (laughs) Can I say that? It's so true. I mean, she's going to own the heck out of that one day. She needs her beauty sleep, okay? And I'm not judging. I'm, I'm the same way. I need to get enough sleep or I'm, I'm cranky too. Um, but this class, it didn't even start until after her typical bedtime. So on the nights that she had dance, she was up two and a half plus hours past her normal bedtime, which made the next morning for school and that whole next day and everything it, it just was not, we'll just say it was not fun. That's all I'll say about that. So we continue on trying and I'm, you know, are you sure it's just the teacher and, you know, but you're enjoying the tap and, you know, and then finally one day she came out and said, the teacher's still grumpy. I'm not liking this class. And I just looked at her and I went, okay, I'm, I appreciate you giving us the extra couple weeks to make sure that it just wasn't something that would pass. And I'm actually sorry that I kind of made you go a couple extra weeks because I feel like this hasn't been a good fit all the way around. The class is too late. You're so tired and grumpy the next day. It's just it's just not worth it. And you seem to be enjoying it a little bit, but not enough. So we went into the whole this or something better. And she actually said, you know, I don't want to do ballet. It's not even just the teacher. Obviously, I don't like the teacher. It's not great but I don't want to be in another ballet class. I want to do something different. So I went back to the drawing board. 
found new classes, one that was a tap because she was still loving tap, and one that was jazz. I was like, you know, jazz is probably fun. You might really enjoy that because girl loves her zombie and whatever movies where they dance and sing around and stuff. And I thought she's going to love this <laughs> if she gets to try it. And the schedule was so much better. It's on Fridays. Wait, she's done with these two classes before the other two classes would have ever even started. So not only is she not staying up past her bedtime, but it's also not on a school night. Like it just, it was so much better in every way once we made the switch. And I was just so grateful that I finally <laughs> reminded myself that it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. Just because we said we were going to do this thing doesn't mean we can't change it. We can be flexible. We can change things until we find the something better. And I'm so glad that we did that. And not to say that this might change, but in this day and time, we went from having a like, meh, borderline bad experience to my little girlfriend is loving dance. We're not up late anymore. Schedule is better. Just all the things. There's definitely something better. And right now it's working. So we're going to keep doing that. And I'm just really excited for her. It's been so fun to watch her get to blossom in this new form of a dance and an art. And thank you guys for sticking with me through that whole tangent but it just it kind of felt on point at the same time because yes you can completely overcommit yourself to activities and you can also really do some serious detriment to your family by not remaining flexible and allowing plans to change and understanding that sometimes the kids need that flexibility and that grace to be allowed to dip their toes into things and try them. And I could totally just keep going on about that. And I won't. I'm going to put a little little boop in it. Boop. There, I did it. So we're going to move on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's actually time for me to go pick up my daughter. Okay. I have five minutes. And then I got to turn this off because I need to be in the car in five minutes. Mistake number five. I think I can do this in five minutes. Is I think we are all guilty of this as mothers, parents, whatever. But the biggest mistake I made, one of the top five that year, the last one, I abandoned myself. I forgot that I existed. I was not a priority in my own life. <laughs> and it doesn't even take homeschooling for that to happen. You know, as mothers, we are all guilty of this in different seasons. But for me, that first year homeschooling was like, it, it was it. Between a neurodiverse kid, a crazy kindergartner and a preschooler and, you know, a, a traveling husband who was gone like 50% of the time, me running the ship by myself and having the, the little small shop. I mean, it was just, it was a lot. I was working as much as I could on the weekends and evenings. It was really just me burning the candle at all ends and absolutely forgot that I existed as a person. <laughs> I didn't know how to mother myself. And that is not something I have completely figured out yet. It's not like I've checked that box off and, and ridden off into the sunset. It's definitely a constant work in progress, a continual evolution, and one that I'm always desiring to level up in. Because when I mother myself and I care for myself, like really deeply nourish myself, then I'm able to show up in every aspect of my life exactly how I want to. 
I, I definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, have another pod coming where we'll talk about nourishment, nourishing yourself and not just falling victim to the self-care mainstream idea of like, oh, yeah, fill your cup and get a pedicure while you work on your laptop at the same time. Like that's not <laughs> I won't dive into all that here, especially since I don't have the time now. Um, I'll try to remember when I get that podcast recorded to link it down here in case you hear this and you're interested. But I mean, that was definitely something that had a significant impact on our homeschool journey that first year. Oh, what's that phrase? If, if mama ain't happy, no one's happy or happy wife, happy life, something like that. But I was just so starved in my own nourishment that the version of me that was showing up for my children and my husband that year was just a hollow, empty, dusty, soulless shell. I mean, it was just, it was bad. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> so that is where I will leave you for this time and space. And thank you guys so much for sticking with me through all that. Hopefully my tangents weren't too crazy and too long. And I really hope that this has helped you in some way. And if it has, definitely shoot me a message. I love to hear from you guys. And if there are certain questions or things about our homeschooling journey that you want more information on, connect with me on Instagram. I'm here for all the combos. I'm just so deeply appreciative of this space and to be back in it, back in the real world, putting out content and just feeling into life right now. That's just, I'm so, so happy to be back in the land of the living. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Nothing lights my soul up more than sharing the deeply impactful tools and rituals that I've gathered along my own journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with someone you love and be sure to subscribe. It's absolutely free and will ensure that you never miss out on the latest. I love connecting with my readers and listeners. So reach out to me on Instagram. Let me know what topics you'd love to have covered in future episodes. If you're looking for a dreamy fantasy read, book one of my debut series, The Unseen Realm, is available now on Amazon. So be sure to grab a copy of Eyes on Fire today. You can find all the links you need in today's show notes. Our time together has come to an end. So until we meet again, take good care of yourself and look for the magic in every day.